We're going through the book of Romans. We are in the 15th chapter. We're going to be looking today at verses 22 to 29, which say this, For this reason, I've often been prevented. I want to talk about that verb prevented for a minute. It's imperfect tense passive voice, which would mean that Paul was not the source of this action. Apparently, God was allowing him to see new areas where he needed to take the gospel and minister the gospel of the grace of God. And so at the time that he writes this, he wanted to go to Rome. He had obviously, by the sovereignty of God, not been permitted to go to Rome. So he said, I've been prevented from coming to you. But now, with no further place for me in these regions, since I have had for many years a longing to come to you, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you, when I have first enjoyed your company for a while, but now I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and they are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have finished this, and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on by way of you to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of the word and the exposition to follow a little later. Will you join with me, please, in prayer? Our Father, we bow before you today with a great reverence for who you are and what you are. We also bow before you today with a complete humility of who we are and what we are. We thank you for all of the attributes that you have revealed concerning yourself. We thank you for your precious Son. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you've given us the written word. You've preserved it, Lord. And we would pray that we would be passionate people about accurately understanding it and communicating it to this world, just as Paul was. Lord, we want to thank you for him. We thank you for the fact that he never quit. He never retired. He just kept going. We thank you for the burden that he had to take the word of God to Spain. We know that that was the western boundary of Europe in the Roman Empire, and Europe was the place from which we received the written word of God that you used to save us. So thank you for that whole sovereign plan that was really rooted in what you laid on Paul's heart. Lord, we pray for Israel today. We pray that you help the Jewish people. We pray that you would save many of the Jewish people. We want to especially pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ who are living in Israel. We would ask that you would please provide for them and prosper them. Lord, we're living in a world that's filled with all kinds of religions and denominations and sects. What we're really after here, Lord, is truth. We want your truth. So I pray that you would give us wisdom to grasp it, Give us the burden and the means to take it to the world. Thank you for the radio and the internet ministries and outreaches. Thank you for those who pray for the ministry, who support the ministry. We pray that you use it to reach the world. In Jesus' name, amen. A few years ago, there was a poll taken of many different ministers to learn bizarre excuses they had heard for people not attending church. One of the excuses was we were out of peanut butter for breakfast. Another one was, my kids like to take a nap at that time. That's when the church has its service. Another one was, my wife cooked bacon for breakfast. We all smelled like bacon. 
Another excuse was we had a bad experience at church one time, so we've taken a 10-year break. Another excuse was the church is too close to drive but too far to walk. These are legitimate excuses that people had heard. Another one was I seem to get hemorrhoids sitting in the seats at church. We tried to take that into consideration when we had these seats put in here. Another one said, when I went to church, someone said, nice to see you, brother, instead of using my name. Sometimes we go and we hear about sin and judgment. We don't need that kind of negativity. And another one said, the greeters always smile and welcome us, and sometimes we just don't feel like smiling. Those were real reasons people gave for not going to church. Now, it becomes pretty clear as Paul is bringing this letter to a conclusion in the book of Romans, that some of the people were asking, how come you haven't been here? Why haven't you been here to visit us? Paul had written a major inspired letter to the Romans, and if my math is correct, in chapter 16, he knew at least 27 people, because he names 27 people and says, greet them. So I would assume that he knew 27 people, and some of those people we're living in Rome, we're beginning to wonder, well, you know, he's writing this, this strong letter. He's giving us this truth about doctrine and about how we're to apply the doctrine of the grace of God. So why haven't you been here in person? Why haven't you shown up? So what Paul does here is he explains it. He explains the reason why he hasn't been to Rome. And his explanation is, I've been involved in taking the word of God, the gospel of God, to the rest of the world. Now, Paul was the apostle singled out by God to take the grace gospel to the world, and that's what he had been doing. I want you to understand this. When the apostle Paul was on earth, there was no man on earth who had a grasp of the gospel at his level. No one. In fact, even the other apostles realized he's out of our league. I mean, the other apostle says he writes things that are hard to understand. Peter himself said that. So Paul was a guy who was the only guy on earth who had a full grasp of the gospel. And so in this part of the letter, he takes the time to set forth some personal circumstances, eight of them, which were the reason why he hadn't been to Rome to this point. And the first one is because I've been taking the gospel to new regions. Now, we saw last week in verse 20, Paul said, I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. Now we come to verse 22, for this reason, I've often been prevented from coming to you. Now, doors for Paul kept opening for him to take the gospel to new areas of the world. His passion was that. His passion is, I've had a personal meeting with Jesus Christ. I've studied under him for three years, and I have a personal passion to take the gospel of the grace of God and unlock it for the world. And he was led by God to do that. And he said, the reason why I haven't been there is not because I don't want to come there. It's just I've been prevented by all these other doors have been opening for me to preach in other places. And as we saw last time, Paul kept looking for new areas where there had been no church, he looked for new areas where there had been no apostolic instruction. And apparently, if there had been somebody there that knew the truth and was able to instruct people in the truth, he would go elsewhere. But he was finding, as he traveled all over the world, I see a lot of religion, a lot of religious stuff. But what I don't see is people who understand the truth. So what you have here is you have the one apostle who's been entrusted with the grace of God, and when he learned of some place that he'd never been, he took the message to those people. 
When I read that, I couldn't help but think of Lewis Berry Chafer and the burden that he had to start a school in Dallas, Texas that was focused on the grace of God. Mr. Miles, who's my father in the faith, was personally taught by Lewis Berry Chafer. He said he was his father in the faith. He said he was with him and he learned from him. And Lewis Berry Chafer was traveling around and he was visiting with ministers and going to different places and he was running into these guys and then he would ask them, well, what didn't you get in school? And they said, we didn't get the Bible. We got a lot of religious studies and we got a lot of psychology studies. We didn't get the Bible. And Dr. Chafer said as he was traveling around and seeing this, it burdened him. It burdened him to want to start a school that could teach the books of the Bible and unlock the doctrine of the grace of God. He wasn't interested in opening a school that had counseling or even Christian education or interracial studies or media arts or education. He wasn't interested in that. He was interested in opening a school that would teach the word of God to the men of God so they could go out and communicate it to other people. That's the reason he did it. That's Paul. That's the driving force in Paul's life. Everywhere he went, he saw the need. These people are religious. They don't know the truth. These people are caught up in this religious belief. They don't understand the grace of God. He said, that's the reason I haven't been to Rome. I've been traveling around seeing this all over the world. Now, the second circumstance that he brings out is, I'm now going to Rome because I had taken the gospel to every place and region that God intended. Verse 23, but now I have no further place for me in these regions and since I've had for many years a longing to come. Paul never retired. Just never retired. He doesn't tell other people they shouldn't retire, but he never did. He took a break now and then. We learn from Titus that there were a time when he spent a winter recuperating when he was away from the fray of the ministry, as it were. But what we learn here is a real fascinating piece of information about his missionary philosophy. And that is he took the gospel to new regions. He uses that word three times in his writings, regions. So what I would understand that to mean is he didn't highlight necessarily every city. He would go into a general area where there were obviously some people, and he would go into those areas and he would communicate the truth of God. And a lot of this turns out to be in the Turkey region, if you study geography. He went to Turkey and he spread the gospel of the grace of God all over that place. Now, when you're traveling, that's not easy going. I mean, you don't get in a car back then and just go up over those mountains and down in the valleys and up on the hills, and that's where these places were located. I mean, he had to travel there by foot or by some animal means everywhere he went, and he kept pushing. He kept pushing because he said, my goal has been to see to it that people all over the world get to hear the truth of the grace of God. And apparently at this point, God had kind of released him from the burden. He felt, I've pretty much covered the regions that God wants me to cover, and so now I'm in a position where I can think about going to Rome. His travel ambition was to take the truth of God all over the world, and his travel ambition was to reach the world with the grace of God. And he said, I've gone to all the regions I know, so except for one, he's going to bring up, except there's one other region that he'll bring up in just a second. Now, the third circumstance is Paul said, I've been anticipating going to Rome because I wanted to do this for many years. At the end of verse 23, I've had this burden for many years, longing to come to you. Now, that's significant to see. In the back of Paul's mind, he always had the idea, you know, I'd like to go to Rome. 
we have to assume that by virtue of the fact that God laid on his mind and heart the wherewithal to write the book of Romans, which is an inspired letter, and that Paul had this burden that kept simmering in the back of his mind, that God himself was involved in this desire of his to go to Rome. But it took years before it would come to fruition. In fact, when he said, I have a longing, the word would indicate I had this passionate desire. It was always there. And that teaches us, ladies and gentlemen, an important lesson, and that is just because we have an intense desire to do something, and we have it in the back of our mind, we'd like to try something, doesn't necessarily mean the timing is right to do it. Paul had a longing in his soul to go to Rome, and he had that for years, but the timing wasn't right. And what Paul did until God finally opened the door was to faithfully minister where he was. He just kept at his work that God had called him to do. And now that he had gone through these various regions, he realized, well, the timing is right, and perhaps now it's time for me to go to Rome. I came to faith in 1976. I was in a radio career. I left Kalamazoo in 1978. I wouldn't come back to Kalamazoo for 25 years. When we left Kalamazoo, I always had in the back of my mind, perhaps, perhaps at some point, because what I used to do there, we might have a ministry to something. I wasn't sure what, but I thought we might have a ministry back in the Kalamazoo area. Mr. Miles kept reminding me of that. He would say, at some point, you may end up back in Kalamazoo. It was in the back of my mind. And in 2001, it happened. But that thought that I might go back to Kalamazoo, I could never shake. I think that's the way it was for Paul. He's traveling around the world for years, ministering all these other different places, communicating the truth of God and the grace of God. In the back of his mind, he's saying, I really want to go to Rome. Which brings us to the fourth circumstance. Paul was anticipating going to Rome when he would travel on a specific route to Spain. He says in verse 24, Whenever I go to Spain... For I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. Now we learn here that Paul is a systematic thinker and planner when he puts together an itinerary. Now Spain was the western side of Europe. It was the western perimeter of the land that was controlled by Rome. A big name that was from Spain, a Spaniard, was the name of Seneca, who was appointed by Nero to be his prime minister. He was a philosopher, and he was there. And it may be that Paul had in the back of his mind, you know, before it's all over, I'd like a shot at Spain. Now, he's writing this from Corinth, and Rome is about 730 miles to the northwest. Spain is about 900 miles from Rome, straight west across the Mediterranean. That would be the distance by boat. Spain was a place where Paul said they need to hear the word of God. You know, we were at a church in Grand Rapids for years that was pastored by George Gardner. And I heard George Gardner tell the story one time when he went to Boston. And he said a group wanted him to come to Boston. So he said, we walked into the church. He and his wife walked into the church. They looked around. He goes, I look up at this place. It's seated about, I don't know, a 1,000 people, something like that, if I remember this accurately. And he said, I looked up, and I thought, ah, 
It's not seemingly well cared for. And so his wife said to him, George, what do you want to go here for? And he said, because they need the truth. They need the truth. And he eventually went there, and God did bless his ministry there before he ended up in Grand Rapids. So Paul is mapping out a travel itinerary. He's saying, you know, the best plan for me to come to Rome would be plan a trip to go to Spain and then stop in Rome first, because I've always had this longing that I want to go to Rome, so that would be a great opportunity for me to do that. And Paul never had his plans written in concrete. I mean, he always left room for God to change his plans, but he also did work with plans. I mean, Paul was not just some abstract thinker. I mean, he thought, okay, if I'm going to go there, I'm going to go to A. I can go to A when I go to B. I mean, that's what Paul's planning here. Now, a good friend of mine who went to be with the Lord many years ago at the age of 73 was Harold Kriegel. And Harold Kriegel was a missionary in Spain for 30 years. He and his wife Esther were missionaries in Spain for 30 years. And I asked Harold, Harold, is there any record that Paul ever made it to Spain? When you were in Spain, did you ever hear any word that he actually made it to Spain? And Harold said that about 100, 150 miles south of Barcelona, there was a record of the Apostle Paul actually landing there and visiting Spain and communicating the truth there. And Clement of Rome in AD 96 said that Paul did make it to the limit of the West, and we assume the limit of the West was Spain, so there's a good chance that Paul followed through and he did go from Rome to Spain. Which brings us to the fifth circumstance. Paul anticipated that the believers in Rome would help him to go to Spain. Verse 24, and to be helped on my way there by you when I first enjoyed your company for a while. Paul never asked for money for himself, ever. He doesn't beg for money, he doesn't ask for money. He did teach that it's the expectation of the people of God to support those who are teaching them the truth. In fact, he wrote that in Galatians. He basically said the one who's taught the word is to share with all good things to the one who teaches the word. But he never would just come out and say, I need you to support me in this. But he does allude to the fact here that when I get to Rome, I'm going to need some help to get to Spain. So he says, I actually am coming there anticipating that you will help me on my way. And that word help indicates you're going to give me some food to eat and some companionship, perhaps help me with travel arrangements, perhaps some money to travel with. It would include housing and care. While I'm there ministering in Rome, Frederick Godet said these Romans would provide Paul with companionship and expenditures. And Paul obviously knew a lot of the people here because he names them in chapter 16, which means many of these people had come under faith under his apostolic ministry. I mean, he'd never been to Rome. He had not seen some of these people for over 20 years. But he's now going to go to Rome and visit with these people, and he had an expectation they certainly would want him to come and help them, and they would help him. The Romans had reaped tremendous benefit from the ministry of the Apostle Paul. We've reaped tremendous benefit from the ministry of the Apostle Paul. The grace gospel was unraveled by Paul, and they did have a responsibility as long as he was alive. But again, his approach is so critical. He doesn't beg for money, doesn't ask for money, just doesn't solicit it. He doesn't try to manipulate it. He doesn't say, let's play the organ and pass an offering plate. He doesn't do that. He just says, when I go to Spain, I just anticipate I'll stop by and you'll help me get there. What dollar value do you put on a guy like the Apostle Paul? 
What dollar value do you put on a guy like that who can unlock the gospel of the grace of God that will save our souls forever? What's that worth? 10%? 15%? 20%? What would be the value of that? Paul doesn't ask for a percentage. He just says, when I come, I anticipate that you'll help me go forward. You know, we've seen God's people respond just like that over the years. We are on the radio, and we are on the internet, and we don't ask for one dime, and never have, and never will. We've never asked for one dime. We've never solicited anything on the radio. Our expenditures are way over $100,000 a year to be on those radio stations and to be involved in the, in the internet ministry. We have people who will just write us and send in money. And they'll say, we just want you to know we're growing. Thank you for having the ministry. We don't ask them for that. They just sense a burden to apparently send in things to the church to support the ministry. They want to share. That's what Paul's thinking here. He's thinking, I'm coming there. I'm going to go from here to Spain to communicate the grace of God, and I'm expecting that you'll share with me in that. His sixth circumstance is he anticipated enjoying their company for a while. He says in verse 24, when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. You know, there are some churches, they're just a joy to be at, and there are some people at church that will drain you. There are some people that, they're in sad shape. You see them coming and you're going, they have no joy. This is not going to be good. It's not going to be a mutual encouragement session with these people. There are some people who are never happy. They drag you down. Paul says, I don't want that when I come to Rome. I don't expect that when I come to Rome. In fact, he uses the word for enjoy that would indicate he's saying, when I get there, I want to have an enjoyable experience at the fullest possible level. I expect to go to Rome and fully enjoy the people and the experience that I'll have with the people. Now, it's one thing just to endure a church. It's another thing to enjoy a church. And Paul said, I am coming to Rome because I want to have a wonderful time with you people. I want to enjoy my time with you and just have fellowship with you and enjoy the grace of God and the things of God. Now, the seventh circumstance is he informs the Romans of his immediate plans to go to Jerusalem, verses 25 to 28. But now I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints. Paul had just got done telling them that I'm anticipating coming to Rome, but now he says, first, I have to go in the opposite direction. First, before I come to Rome to minister to you, I have to go back to Jerusalem. Now, I want us to remember that Paul is writing this letter from Corinth, That's only 730 miles from Rome, which is a whole lot shorter than if you go to Jerusalem. To go to Jerusalem from Corinth, you need to go in the opposite direction and travel 817 miles by ship and 1,770 miles by a land route. Then, if you're going to go to Rome, once you get to Jerusalem, if you want to travel back to Rome... You're going to have to travel 2,430 miles by land or 1,434 miles by ship. So the simplest thing for Paul to do would be to say, well, I'm in Corinth, so now I'll just swing by Rome before I go to Jerusalem. But he said, no, no, I can't do that. I've got to go to Jerusalem before I come to Rome, and there are four reasons why. First of all, I have to serve the saints there. 
verse 25, he uses that word, I'm going to Jerusalem to serve the saints. The word serve is the word from which we get our English word deacon. It's a word that means that Paul considered this to be a very sacred part of his life and ministry, going back to Jerusalem. He wanted to go back and minister to those who believed in Jesus Christ. By the way, he's not going back to Jerusalem to, at this point, stress, I need a ministry to the lost. They'd had Jesus Christ himself in that city, rejected Jesus Christ himself. Paul says, I'm not going back to Jerusalem at this point to try to evangelize the lost. I'm going back there to minister to the saints. And don't overlook that because he believed that his service ministry was to be focused on the saints, not lost people. He was going back there to minister to the Jewish believers who were in Jerusalem. He wasn't going back to Jerusalem because he felt he needed to go back there and spread grace among the lost religious leaders, the Pharisees, scribes, and priests. They had pretty much rejected him. They wanted to kill him. In fact, that's how I'll actually get to Rome. He'll be taken a prisoner, and he'll end up in Rome that way. But he's going back there to focus on believers. He's taken the apostolic message and ministry to Jerusalem to help those believers there. Secondly, he would travel to Jerusalem to take an offering. He says in verse 26, For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Paul was carrying a huge sum of money. He had collected it from Macedonia and Achaia. Macedonia is an area that's known today as northern and central Greece. Achaia is the area known as the southern part of Greece and land between the Adriatic and the Aegean Sea. It's a massive amount of territory that would include some of Turkey. You have Greece, Bulgaria, Albania, Serbia, Kosovo. Paul had collected this massive offering from these believers, and they had obviously taken it upon themselves to take this offering to send to the poor believers and saints that were living in Jerusalem. And Paul said, I'm personally taking that. I'm not trusting anybody else to get them that offering. I'm taking it personally. And he said, so I have to go back to Jerusalem. And he brings out this interesting point in verse 26. These people were pleased to do this. They were flourishing in those other areas. Jerusalem wasn't. And so Paul said, I didn't have to beg them to do this. I didn't try to manipulate them to do this. These people had taken it upon themselves to give this offering, and I'm taking this offering back to Jerusalem to give it to those Jews that are in Jerusalem. And the third reason that I'm doing that is because they're poor. That's what he says in verse 26, for the poor among the saints of Jerusalem. Now that tells us, ladies and gentlemen, that in one part of the country, people may be prospering. In another part of the country, they may not. In one part of where God is working, there may be a great prosperity. In another part where God is working in people's lives, there may be poverty. Now the Jewish believers in Jerusalem were very poor, and there are five biblical facts as to why. First of all, there was overpopulation. And what I mean by that is when Jesus Christ was in Jerusalem and ascended back up into heaven, many immediately moved to Jerusalem, walked away from everything, expecting his immediate return. So there was an overpopulation of those who had believed. Secondly, there was a zealousness. Many Jews who had believed, they sold their homes, they pooled their resources for the work of the gospel. And by this point, their funds are running low. Thirdly, there was persecution. Believers in Jerusalem were being persecuted by the religious leadership 
Even Paul had to get out of there because of his faith in Jesus Christ. There were some who had lost their homes, lost their jobs. They lost good jobs for the cause of Jesus Christ, and they couldn't land another good job. They were still living in that area. Then there was a famine we learn about in Acts 11. A major famine had spread through that area just a few years before this letter had been written during the reign of Claudius, and there was a need for food, and then taxation. Those Jews were being taxed by the Romans. And again, Paul is actually taking this offering not to promote a welfare program for every single Jew in the world. He was promoting the need to meet the needs of those saints, those saints who were believers in Jesus Christ, who were hurting and struggling because of their faith in the Lord. And the fourth reason why Paul said he would take an offering there is he had to fulfill a debt that the Gentiles owed to the Jews. He says in verse 27, Yes, they were pleased to do so, and they are indebted to them, for if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. Paul says, I didn't beg these people to do this. I didn't manipulate this. It's like God just caused these Gentile believers in Macedonia and Achaia and Turkey, he just laid it on their hearts that they owe a great debt to the Jewish believers because everything that we've received has stemmed from them. Jesus Christ is a Jewish Messiah, Jewish King, Jewish Savior. You have the scriptures, with the exception of Dr. Luke, all written by Jewish writers. We have the scriptures. We have the promises of God. They all come through Israel. We have the eschatology of God. Our own program, our future, is all stemming from Israel. We'll be raptured before God finishes the program with her. We've been grafted into her program, and those people were well-grounded, those Gentiles in those other places. Paul had taught them well. And just through that teaching, these people decided... You know, what we want to do is we want to share, because we're being blessed of the Lord, we want to share with those poor saints that are struggling. And so they gave Paul this huge sum of money. Paul said they were pleased to do it. You know, if we could actually learn of Jewish believers right now in Israel who had a great need and we could verify it, it'd be a joy to help them. I mean, if there were a man of God of the caliber of Paul that you could trust, and you know that guy is, if he tells you he's going to do something, he's going to do it. If there were a man of God at that caliber who said, we're going to help them here and here's the need, we would support that in a second. Why? Because we realize the same debt we owe to Israel that these Gentiles realize. We have a wonderful relationship with the Lord because of the fact that the gospel of God came from them to us. And that's why Paul said, I have to make a trip. I have to take this money first to Jerusalem. The eighth circumstance is he says, and I expect, once I've completed the project, that I will come to you with the full blessings of Christ. He says in verse 28, therefore, when I finish this, these words are interesting, when I finish this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on by way of you to Spain I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now, ladies and gentlemen, to accomplish anything for the Lord, we must want the blessings of Christ. We must want the blessings of God. 
not so much the approval of men or the approval of religion. We must want the blessings of God. And to accomplish or to have God bless anything, we have to follow through on what God's given us to do. And Paul said, I expect to come to you with the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Why? Well, because I finished the project. I finished the project. If I were to just take off now and head over to Spain, and you've got those poor believers in Jerusalem who are wondering if they're going to have enough food to eat for the next day, and I'm over here enjoying life in Spain, he said it just wouldn't have the blessings of God. And the thing about the Apostle Paul is every thing he did and everywhere he went, that's what he was after. He was after the blessings of God. And if you want to go someplace in the full blessings of God, then stick to it. The full blessings of God don't go to quitters or slackers. The full blessings of God are given to people that they may be seemingly ministering in ways that don't even seem to be limelight type of things, but they're faithful at it. They can have the full blessings of God where they serve the Lord. And Paul said, that's what I'm after when I come there. And what we have here today, because Paul took this so seriously, is we have the letter to the Romans. It's an amazing letter where we see the grace gospel. And this grace gospel that he's been laying out here is, no matter what your sin, no matter what your background if you will turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. Let's pray. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior right now, you can settle that right where you sit. Just admit the truth that you're a sinner like all of us. Invite Jesus Christ to save you. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. Use it to change our minds and hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.